to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Susie and this is Carol and we are coming live from BeulahGirl.com. So if you've just been listening, you haven't been reading, there are always really rich resources that Carol puts together as far as in her written word. So just be sure to visit the blog for more encouragement. Um, We're continuing a series on kind of drifting, apathy, as far as it applies to our spiritual lives. And so um, we're going to talk as we continue this series about that principle, use it or lose it. You know, I want you to think about your everyday life where you've heard that. Um, you know, maybe it could be you've tried to learn a language. I know I parlez-vous français a long time. <laughs> I took a lot of French and now I get tongue-tied when I try to talk to somebody because it's been a long time since I've used it. Or, you know, I've never been athletic. I don't know, maybe Carol has. But uh, you have to keep working out or, you know, you do have some muscle memory, but you're certainly not going to look as buff as you did, you know, the first day if you quit working out or a musician, whatever sphere of life we're in, if we don't use whatever it is that we've been given, it kind of starts to get spiritually flabby. (laughs) So in in real life or in spiritual life. So I want us to talk about how that applies more spiritually. I was being silly with some of those examples, but... Let's talk about how we're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us. Right. So not only in just our everyday life do we lose what we don't use, but spiritually there is the same principle that we have to develop and use the gifts God has given us. If you listen to the previous episode, we, we talked a little bit about 2 Timothy 1.6 and some of those scriptures where it talks about basically stirring up the gifts that God has given us, or these will fall into disuse and decay, and we will grow stagnant in our walks, and we won't be effective, and really just this idea that we have to use what we've been given, that it's um, been given to us not as, uh, you know, like uh, something just for us, but it's for other people, so it's it's a trust that God is, he's entrusting us with it. I want to look at the Church of Philadelphia. The last two episodes We've looked in Revelation 3 at the Church of Sardis, and the Church of Sardis was rebuked for basically their spiritual apathy and looking good on the outside, but not using. They were religiously active, but they weren't actually actively walking in the Spirit of God, um, doing works that pleased Him. They were just sort of involved in this meaningless activity. But in Revelation, as we continue on in Revelation, we see in Revelation 3, 7 through, um, well, I put through 12 here. Um, but we see Jesus addresses a different church, the Church of Philadelphia. And rather than a rebuke, he actually commends them. So while we focus sort of on what not to do <laughs> in the first previous two episodes, which can be tough to look at, but right. it's very instructive. This is more the positive, friendly, yay, yay, Jesus is happy and telling them what they've done well, but it can also be challenging to look at because it holds a high standard for us to follow. So let's just look at the passage. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. 
I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept the command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. So that scripture is just so powerful because like you said, it's, it's a commendation, but it's also like, wow, they're perfect and good and yay. But you know what? It was giving me hope. I feel like I've been in an hour of trial. I know that you've had trials over the last few years, and you just think, I do believe God could be speaking some of that to me. Not all the, probably not to that degree that he spoke to them, but isn't it cool that God is your defender? Like, he's the one that is going to reward faithfulness. And where he says, um, you know, I've placed an open door before you. I know you have a little strength. Isn't it cool that our God doesn't give up on us when we feel like we just have a little tiny flame burning? You know, that... I've still been serving you, Lord, but I feel like my strength is almost gone. So I just what an, what an amazing scripture. Um, you know, he does say to hold on also to what you have. Like, don't, you know, don't get cocky here, people. <laughs> you know, but uh, that he's a rewarder of those, like he says, that diligently seek him. You know, that's elsewhere in scripture. So we know that Philadelphia was another church that actually got a positive compliment. It wasn't far from Sardis. Because they were actually using what they had. They weren't faking what they didn't have. They were using what they did have. So what can we learn? I know that the the main lesson is going to be about faithfulness. We've got a few lessons here that we can learn about what happens when we're faithful. What happens when we, like you said in a previous episode, when we hold fast. The first thing you said we can learn is that faithfulness means standing firm. Yeah, and I just want to say, too, I think you brought up some really good points about Philadelphia. As a church, Philadelphia was limited in resources they were not huge in numbers and they were just like holding on and doing you know what they could with you know if you've ever tried to make something happen but you have you know limited numbers of people to do it or limited resources you know you can work so hard and not know if you're making an impact and it can be very frustrating it can be exhausting it can be like what you said that you're just like lord i just have this tiny little flicker here Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm exhausted, right? Well, but Jesus commends them. And I think it's worth looking at, okay, so what does he commend exactly? Because it's important that we can know kind of what it looks like to be faithful since we're talking in this series about, um, holding fast. So faithfulness means standing firm. They have held firm to the truth. Unlike Sardis, who has compromised in their principles and is fitting in with the community. They really have held firm to the truths of the gospel, that they haven't been afraid to stand up for what's right, even though it might, you know, have meant less numbers in their church. They're not simply trying to be the attractive church that attracts everyone. They're, you know, hoping people come in, but they are basically a church that says, you know, we are going to adhere and and fix ourselves to the truths of God. And Jesus says, I know that you have little strength that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And later in verse 10, he notes that they have kept his commands to endure patiently. And one of the things I did a series on trials before the, um, at the close of last season. And one of the things that I talked about was there's a passage in James that talks about 
um, allowing perseverance or patience to finish its work. And one of the things I talked about in that is that perseverance is active obedience. Um, it's not just enduring, like right. I'm sticking it out and until this storm's over, but it's also being obedient in the midst of your circumstance. Mm-hmm. And like you described, Susie, sometimes in life that we can have circumstances that are literally crushing us mm-hmm. from all sides to the point where it's an effort to get through the day. And it's such an effort that even, you know, witnessing to one person or even serving in one capacity, it literally is, you know, we're, it's taking so much energy for us just to get through our day and life that that seems almost more that we can handle. But we see a church that is not just holding on and I'm just getting through the day, but they're actually still being receptive to God and serving him in the midst of that. And that can be very difficult to do. Um, And also, I just want to look at verse 10. If you look at verse 10, it says, um, because you have endured patiently, Jesus says, if we look at that in the King James Version, it's because thou hast kept the word of my patience. And one of the things I was just looking at as I was studying this is that what that means is that, you know, Jesus, as our example in the gospel, he basically that was the example he gave that Jesus's ministry was about doing the father's will but it was in the midst of family members resisting him intense persecution um, people basically hating him and he just pressed on Mm -hmm. anyway and I want to just read this quote from Alexander McLaren what it means to endure patiently the New Testament patience has in it the idea of perseverance as well as of endurance and means Not only that we bow to the pain or the sorrow, but that nothing in sorrow, nothing in trial, nothing in temptation, nothing in antagonism has the smallest power to divert us from doing what we know to be right. The man who will reach through the smoke of hell to lay hold of plain duty is the patient man of the New Testament. (laughs) Yeah, that that sets up. I love to read old theologians, and you can tell by how it's written. He's been around for a little while, but I love to read it because... um, they just wrote things in a way that, like, you cannot mistake what they mean. I'm not just going to lay down and die, you know, but in the midst of that, I'm still being faithful. And faithful doesn't just mean waiting. It's also, you know, fighting back to what we can, you know, reaching through and, and keeping to do, like I said, the next right thing. You also talked about how faithfulness means walking through doors God opens because it said, you know, that he opens a door no man can shut. So talk about that a little bit more. So what I love about looking at this passage is that most of us, even if we've never read this entire passage, have probably heard, you know, if we've been in the church a while, have probably heard the verse about God opening and closing doors. Yeah. It's pretty popular. But I love to look at it in the context of the actual passage because it gives so much meaning to it. But Jesus is identified as the one who holds the keys of David in the passage and what he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. The idea given is that God continually places before us opportunities in our service to him. As we walk in his will in accordance to his spirit, it's um, he'll place these doors in front of us. And we aren't the ones that can open these doors. Right. But we are the ones that, when he places them in front of us, can walk through them. And when we walk through these doors, then in obedience, mm-hmm. um, it may be a door you know, as far as maybe it's a new ministry opportunity, but maybe it's not what we were hoping for. Maybe we were hoping for 
you know, a, a position in the women's ministry, but there's an opening as far as in the, in the coffee bar. And yeah. we're thinking, Lord, this wasn't what I had in mind, but it's an open door, right? And I'm not saying go through everything that opens. You need to prayerfully consider, but maybe that's where God wants us to start. And he has opened that door for us. Or maybe our open door is, you know, using our gifts that um, we're out in the community somewhere and there's somebody he wants us to talk to and we kind of get that nudge. And that's an open door of opportunity walk, mm. to walk through. Um, as we are faithful and little, more will be given to us and open for us. A successful Christian life is where we are walking in his will by staying tuned into his spirit through daily time and prayer, reading of his word. Our growth happens when we make every effort to not just like go through a Christian to-do list, but we listen to his spirit and do what he says. Um, most of us probably have an eye on a particular door that maybe something he's promised us, some kind of opportunity or advancement and a lot of times we look at that and we miss smaller doors that are in front of us because we're waiting for that and that that will open for us when we walk through the smaller doors actually Susie a while ago you did an article about um you know we all we all want the yacht but we gotta <laughs> get in the kayak get first. in the kayak first yeah and so it's about being faithful with little before more is going to be open to us and had something so thoughtful, so maybe it'll come to me. But, <laughs> but um, the th- oh, I, I remember it now. The third thing you wanted to talk about was that faithfulness means guarding what we have. I'm thinking of like tending a fire. God gives us, like I said, sometimes I feel like I have a little bitty flame. <laughs> not that I'm backsliding. I'm not walking away from the Lord. But as far as sometimes when you feel like things you pray about maybe have are taking a long time or whatever, faithfulness is continuing to tend the fire even when you don't see like you know. Maybe it feels like it's summer outside, but if God's given you that little fire, you're going to keep on tending it regardless of whether you feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing this season. Um, you know, it, it feels maybe incomplete. So talk a little bit more about that. The passage tells us, hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. So we've already talked in previous episodes about holding on or holding fast to our faith. And the second part of the verse tells us that, you know, um, we you know, we do so and we, that there are rewards that God gives us. There are crowns and the crown that's being referred to here in this passage is really the rewards for our faithfulness or righteousness. Um, not that God's going to come down and put like a gold crown on Susie's head. I was wanting that. (laughs) But there's these little, these blessings that only come from obedience and those can be called crowns. And this word actually in this passage is the crown is really referring to like would have been used for the crown that was someone would win for participating in like an athletic game or something like that. And so these are the kind of crowns when we accept the assignments God places before us and we're faithful in walking through the door he sets before us. Elsewhere in scripture, we see the same idea of being faithful and Go, you know, seizing the opportunities God gives us um, with the parable of the talents. Um, the wicked servant in that parable was the one who buried the talent the master gave him, who did not use it. The other servants were um, commended for investing their talents and given more because they used and increased what the master had given them. And I, I want to just say two things about someone taking a crown. It's not this idea that we're going around and we're hoarding 
you know, this has to be for me and I have to protect it. Like right. it's not a hoarding. I'm always afraid that someone else is going to snatch away what is rightfully mine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enough in the kingdom for everyone. Yes. There's a position for everyone. And this is not telling us to be competitive with others, but it is saying that when we don't walk through the opportunities that God puts before us and we're not faithful in walking through those doors, that what we're hoping is going to open up for us, someone else may get that opportunity that we so want if we're not being faithful. And that, you know, God wants to use us, but he, if we're resisting and we're not allowing ourselves to be used, the sad, horrible truth is that someone else will get that opportunity. And it's not that we have to fear like someone's going to take it, but somebody else will be used if we are resisting and we're not being an open, willing vessel. And one other point I want to say on that too that I think has just been helpful for me is that when we're facing situations that are literally threatening to derail us because they're so challenging, we're barely getting through the day, we've got that difficult relationship that's literally driving us crazy. Mm -hmm. We're saying, God, I can't do another day of this. A job that he's told us to stay at. And we're like, Lord... I can't do this job another day. Or we'll have a child that's literally driving us insane. We're saying, Lord, I'm ready to send this child to another person's house. And Lord's saying, you love this child and you keep on you keep on being a good mom to this child, right? Um, so when a lot of times in those situations, we can, because the affliction is so great, we can, um, we can stop being doing what what we should and stop really um, living out the principles of the gospel because we're so overwhelmed. But it's saying also not only that somebody else could take the, you know, could walk into the opportunity, not take, but walk into an opportunity. It's also saying here that we can't allow the tough situations in our life to steal away what God intends for us Yeah. if he intends for us to walk through it. Does that make sense? Yes. Am I making sense? Yes. Okay, help us all, Susie, to <laughs> tell, tell everyone what I'm trying to say. No, just uh, I love that because God is, is so gentle with us. And even if we do miss every opportunity, there's like a, <laughs> you know, like a blinking sign. You can't see I'm doing blinking sign hands. But, you know, God could put things in front of us and we're still oblivious. But here's how cool God is. That if we come back to him and we truly repent, we may not we may not move into that opportunity, but God has a way of getting us back on the path that he intended for us. And uh, I don't believe that God makes us robots, that we just walk through the lot no matter what we do. But I do believe that we might take some detours. We might take an uphill where it was supposed to be flat, but that God is so gentle that he will make a way for us to get to what he had planned for us. So Carol, we've you know, we've got more coming in the series, but we've kind of talked about how, you know, we can drift away if people weren't aware that that was a thing, you know, that, that we can, um, I guess, almost forget that we're engaged in a, a Christian life. We get so bogged down by what our, our physical everyday is doing that we start to focus on that rather than God. We talked about how God, though, is so gentle. He gives us warnings. And then in this episode, we've talked about how we can be faithful, the benefits of being like Philadelphia and, um, you know, Phil is the Greek root for love. Philo, I think, is actually how it is, but um, don't quote me on that. But um, that 
they were the church of love. They're the ones that God is seeing as like an example of of what it what should be you know the ideal church, and you know some ways that we can very practically be faithful. So, what other words would you give to kind of help us to to put a stake in this topic before we come back to it again? Well, however positive this message is to Philadelphia. Um, it can still, as I mentioned at the beginning, it can still be a little bit difficult to read about this, especially if we're in a place where we don't, you know, we aren't as, you know, we feel like, okay, maybe I'm not being as faithful as I could here. And here's this example of Philadelphia. And I'm maybe, you know, if you've listened to the previous two, maybe we're in a place where we're saying, wow, I think I'm a little more like Sardis right now. <laughs> and that can be a tough thing to look at. But, you know, what I want us to look at here, um, and, you know, we talked about this previously that, you know, Sardis was, you know, basically urged to repent. But if we skip to the end of chapter 3 in Revelation, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So basically, again, I just want to reemphasize the idea that, you know, God tells us what he does because he loves us and but there is that opportunity like you said maybe we have missed a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. maybe the doors have been blazing in front of us (laughs) and we've just we've been too afraid or we you know we were too careful in a situation where we were overthinking it and we kind of missed it and we boggled a certain situation okay so we can turn to God and say, Lord, I really messed up. Can you help me get on the right track? And again, God has this way of, we might be on a duty tour right now, Mm -hmm. but he has a way of making, you know, situations presenting us again. He can get us back to the place that we need to be. And that's why he's telling us what he is in the first place. Um, I'm thinking of, as I'm talking, a story of when our house was for sale, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but Totally, you know, this guy was brought to our front door while I was praying, but it ended up we got a better offer, went with somebody else, but I didn't feel good about it because, you know, God brought someone to my doorstep (laughs) that anyway, we lost both offers and it was like a two month period of the house being back on the market and kicking ourselves because my husband was commuting and, you know, I, I told God, you know, when he basically revealed to me that I'd taken the wrong offer and hadn't really trusted him. Um, You know, when I repented and just got back on track, well, you know, he brought another buyer two months later, and we moved. We got to where we're supposed to be. He told us to move. And, yeah, I made some mistakes along the way, but he got us to where we need to be. So that is um, something to remember is that we can come to that place of saying, Lauren, I'm sorry, I'm messing things up really bad right now. Mm -hmm. Can you help me get on track? And that's what he does. And that's why Jesus is telling these churches what he is. And the second thing I want to just emphasize, too, is to really emphasize. I hope that I've said it enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that I've really emphasized this enough is that the work that we do is done in his, with, you know, walking in his spirit. Yeah. That is the work that pleases him because I think we can say, oh, my goodness, I need to be doing more. And we start churning out, churning out, like just all this activity, God wants me to be leading a Bible study and, and leading this ministry. And we, we think that that is what pleasing him. Well, you know, God allows rest and some assignments, 
Susie, are just not ours. Yeah. You know, some there are so many people in need. Some assignments are not ours to take on. And so just being open and saying, not like we have to be perfect, but just saying, God, what is it you want me to do here? And being open to that. Not just trying to go out and earn somehow God's, God, you know, somehow earn like God's pleasure or something like that. Again, and I think I said that at the end of the last episode, that we have, we are blessed to be in the religion, the religion, that where God did all the work. All we have to do is accept it. Now that we don't just like sit in a chair the rest of our lives, but we won't do that. If we know the Lord and um, we have our hand in his hand, we're going to walk through doors. We might take some detours. My little toddler, sometimes I'd like to use her because we act like that sometimes. (laughs) She wants to take the hard way. She wants to take the... I tried to sit on the swing with her today. She goes, move. And I'm like, where did you learn this word, first of all? But proceeds to take her legs and push me. So she had to have some discipline in between swinging with mommy the normal way and then the time where she was like, move and kicking me. So she still got to swing with me. I still loved her the exact same way, but we had to go through a little hard time there. We had to go through a little detour. And um, I'm not comparing myself to the Lord, but I feel like if you know the Lord, he's, he's the one teaching us. He's the one helping us have the strength to do. And I'm definitely, definitely a recovering Martha. I still feel we were talking kind of off air about tendencies. We have to be hard on ourselves. I still feel like my tendency is I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm, I, am, I feel like I should be an energizer bunny and that that makes a difference to God. Um, he does want us to be, we are supposed to be about the Father's business. we got to kind of find a, meet, a middle ground there. But how wonderful that we have a Lord that is not just looking for what Sardis did, which was looks good on the outside, is busy, does tasks for me. He's looking for our hearts, and he's looking for us to truly know him. And then he will make us walk through open doors. He'll give us strength. And then he'll make us to lie down in green pastures. He'll also give us the rest. So let's just pray as as we work through this series that God would help us to be aware of our apathy, but also not to be condemned by it because our God is convicting. He's the one who not only tells us what we're doing wrong, but gives us the power to make it right. God, we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord, that you just don't leave us orphans. You're the one who picks us up. And when we've maybe walked a a rough road of our own choosing or one that was honestly forced upon us by circumstances you are all the time holding our hand carrying us when we need you to you give us all the strength that we need to serve you all the strength we need to rest in you all the strength we need to listen to you and not to miss what you're you know opening before us or shutting before us we just praise you god that you have given us examples from your word that no matter how long ago they were written almost two thousand years that you've given us very living active words that we can still uh trust today and we can still apply today thank you for who you are and make us more joyful about not being apathetic in our lives in jesus name we pray amen